world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard, fear no evil. Get yours today, only at LipstickBodyguard.com. week on Parents Are Hard To Raise. Elder law expert Amos Goodall, president of the National Elder Law Foundation, is back to discuss some recent changes in the law that could immediately and severely impact the welfare of our aging parents and us. Parents Are Hard To Raise is now available on Spotify and its 180 million monthly subscribers. Parents are hard to raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert Diane Berardi. Longtime listeners will recognize my next guest as our go-to expert on all matters of elder law. If I were to list all of his credentials, there'd be no time left in the show. So let me just say, he is a certified elder law attorney practicing in Center County, Pennsylvania, with the firm Steinbacker Goodall and Yurchak where he's been practicing elder law since 1976. Philadelphia Magazine named him a super lawyer in elder law, as they have every year since the category was created. He's a fellow of the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys and currently serves as president of the National Elder Law Foundation. Attorney Amos Goodall, welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Thank you, Diane. It's good to be here. We're so happy to have you. So, Amos, what do you have for us this week? Well, I wanted to talk to your listeners about uh, certain benefits that are available to veterans and how the rules on those benefits have changed probably for the first time in 100 years. Oh. And so uh, there's, a, there's a major change. The new regulations were adopted in, uh, on, effective on October the 18th, and so we are still feeling our way through the regulations and, of course, how they apply. Uh, and there are a lot of uh, gray areas, but at least people should know about what the what the regulations are, how they apply, and what they apply to. Definitely. <laughs> so um, you said you want to talk uh, specifically about compensation and pension? Well, yes. There are two VA programs that uh, most of our clients, by the way, are uh, um, most elderly people are possibly able to acquire benefits under one of these two veterans programs. Okay. Uh, many people have served in the service, and uh, those people ha who have, uh, uh, one of the things that you get back for giving two to 30 years of your life and, and maybe part of your body is that you get some compensation for that, and that compensation continues. And the two programs that we often encounter in advising uh, elderly clients are something called compensation and something called pension. Uh, they're two different uh, separate programs, and they are, uh, they're both very important. Okay. Uh, compensation is very similar to uh, workman's compensation in, in that uh, a, a veteran can show that he uh, 
uh, had several, several meet several conditions. First of all, that he was discharged for reasons other than dishonorable. Okay. Uh, second of all, that he uh, incurred a disease or injury or aggravated that disease or injury in the line of duty, even though the problem may not have shown up for years, the disabling part of it may not have shown up for years. And third, that there was uh, not willful misconduct or alcohol or drugs involved in creating the problem. Okay. Uh, as as with any workman's compensation or disability compensation, there are no income or asset requirements. If someone meets the meets the elements of the uh, for the benefit, the benefit is payable to the person. Okay. Um, now there are there are a number of rules, and and really, it's uh, probably beyond the scope of this program. We could talk for three or four hours about just this particular program and the rules. Uh, I'd like to say that folks who are considering whether they might be entitled to compensation, uh, that they contact the local veteran service office or an attorney. Um, There are accredited attorneys who practice in this area, and one of the things that you have to do to become accredited, and and that's how you get that license is that you are accredited. One of the things you have to do is agree that you don't charge a fee for the initial consultation or for this initial workup until you, for making the application. So people shouldn't hesitate a second to talk to a qualified lawyer or a veteran service officer, VSO, about whether they might qualify for this, this compensation. As I said, what happens is there was some in-service precipitating condition, injury, or event that occurred. Right. Uh, typically, someone might come back and say, well, I was in uh, Vietnam, and I have I now suffer from, uh, say, Lou Gehrig's disease. I, I want to pick a bad one, but pick uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. And uh, the, the the presumption is that you show those two things. I was in Vietnam, and I now suffer from Lou Gehrig's disease. And the presumption is that this program applies to you, and that you're entitled to compensation. Okay. So that's how the program works. Now, no one's going to get rich on VA compensation. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, but. A veteran who is, who is 100% disabled in 2017 was entitled to up to $2,973 per month. That's 100% disability. Okay. A veteran who is 10% disabled was enti- would be entitled to compensation of $136. So you see it goes up and down. Right. If the veteran has a spouse, has a spouse and parents dependent on him, has a spouse, parents, and children depending on dependent on him, those numbers will change. Okay. Um, but the, uh, the the compensation is is payable to a veteran. It's a it's a payment that occurs, as I said, um, without regard to um, assets that a veteran has. Okay. Now, the next program, which is the one that uh, a lot of folks will qualify for, is something called uh, pension. Okay. And pension, the elements of a pension program are that the veteran was. Uh, served at least 90 days during a period of war, and I'm going to come back to that, again, was discharged for reasons other than dishonorable and is either uh, permanently and totally disabled in a nursing home or is over the age of 65, and that if he's disabled, the disability was not the result of willful misconduct. Um, Now, the applicable wartime periods, which are important for this uh, program. Yeah, I was wondering the, about that. <laughs> yeah. 
They go back, um, we go back, I, I don't imagine any of your listeners were in the Mexican border period, which was 1916 and 1917, and probably not too many were in World War One. Right. But, but uh, if, if people were in service during the period December 7, 1941, to December 31, 1946, they're considered World War II veterans. Uh, June 27, 1950 to January 31, 1955, they're considered Korea veterans. Uh, the Vietnam era is uh, August 5, 1964, until May 7, 1975, except for veterans who are actually in the Republic of Vietnam, and their their start date goes back to 1961. And then the Gulf War, which, uh, according to the VA, started on August 2, 1990, and still goes. It goes on. So those are, you have to have served during one of those periods. Okay. Many, many, many of our clients serve during those periods. Right. So what, what is the pension program and how does it help? Well, the, uh, w- what the pension program does is it pay, makes a payment to the veteran. And again, there are going to be, uh, there are rates of payment, but the, uh, uh, the a veteran with a, without a spouse or a child is entitled to a pension of up to $13,166 a year. And uh, that, uh, uh, that, that amount, that, that doesn't sound like a lot, but let's talk about how you get to that amount. You know what? We're going to talk about how you get to that amount after the break. And we're going to continue talking to Amos Goodall, president of the National Elder Care Foundation. But first, I wanted to talk to you about something. If you're a woman or there is a special woman in your life, there's something you really need to listen to. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse, and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only 5 feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her 6 foot 4, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless-looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent-looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000-pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you, in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. You're listening to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. 
Listen to this and other episodes on demand using the iHeartRadio app. iPhone users can listen on Apple Podcasts and Android users on Google Podcasts. Remember, there's so many new ways to listen to our show. Spotify, Roku, on your smartphone with Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can get us on Apple TV, DirecTV. You can even just ask Alexa to play the show for you. So if you're listening in one of these new ways, please do me a big favor and help someone else learn about the show and show them how to listen. So El Amos, we're talking to Amos Goodall, president of the National Elder Care Foundation. We were talking about pensions. Thank you, Diane. I'm talking about now how one acquires pension. And it, as I said, it doesn't sound like a lot, $13,000 a year. Right. But for a a family who might be in an assisted living facility, $13,000 a year may make the difference between being able to pay the bill and stay in the facility and not being able to pay the bill and stay in the facility. Sure. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, a veteran with a spouse may be entitled to uh, up to $17,000 a year. But whatever the number is, right. and those numbers change every year, if you can acquire that, you can uh, live a better life. And the way that's calculated is that you look at the veterans in the family's income, the husband okay. and wife's income, and from that you subtract unreimbursed medical expenses. So if you're living in an assisted living facility, a lot of your income is going to be taken away for unreimbursed medical expenses. So if you've got a say you're getting a two thousand dollar twenty five hundred dollar a month uh, social security payment and you're in a thirty five hundred dollar a month assisted living facility, right. you're already below zero. Right. And so this pension will make will allow you to make up the difference and be able to stay in that facility because you, even though you're getting twenty five hundred dollars a month in my example from the Social Security Administration, that doesn't that from that is subtracted your medical your unreimbursed medical expenses. So we can qualify folks; they can stay. They don't have to go into a nursing home to get and get Medicaid. They can stay in a uh, an assisted living facility with the privacy and with the uh, the, uh, the the some people think a better lifestyle than having to go to a nursing home because they have this this uh, this pension that comes to them. So it's it's really an important uh, tool in the estate planner's tool chest to, to be able to say to a client, a client, you can qualify for this pension, which is going to help you out. Definitely. Now, <laughs> Now, the rules, it used to be that there were two other, there was a, a, another qualification for the uh, pension, and that was that you had resources or assets under the amount that the uh, examiner thought you might need to live the rest of your life. And that's pretty loosey-goosey, as you can imagine. Right. And the rule of thumb was, well, roughly $80,000. If you have resources of under $80,000, you have a, you don't have too many resources. If you have over eighty thousand dollars, you got to spend down for a while until you get down to eighty thousand dollars. And sometimes, if an examiner was uh, in maybe in a, I wouldn't say a bad mood, but was uh, looking at someone who was old and, and and very ill and not expected to live very long, they might say, "Well, you don't need but twenty thousand dollars a year, or, or twenty thousand dollars, or you don't need but but maybe thirty thousand dollars." So the number was uh, subject to adjustment; was not fixed. So the, the new regulations have established a, uh, uh, based on uh, 
Medicaid regulations have established the number of $123,000 dollars to $123,600 okay. as a net worth statement. So if the veteran's net worth is under $123,600, him and his wife, or him and her, her and her husband, then they're going to qualify for uh, to apply for a, a veteran's pension. There are some assets that are excluded from that category. One of them is a residence with up to two acres of land. Um, uh, household goods are excluded from that category. Actually, the regulations, uh, they say, we, we, we're going to exclude this about 12 in the regulations, and they say, plus any other regulation, that's <laughs> any other asset that's excluded uh, anywhere else. So there are a number of assets that are excluded from this calculation, but it's $123,600. That's the number. Um, now, for Medicaid, that's the maximum that the community spouse can have, and the spouse in the nursing home actually has a, uh, has some additional resources that they can keep. But for veterans' pension, the total is $123,600. Uh, now, there are some... Uh, um, so that's one change that there is a uh, finite number it's the veterans it's the maximum that the veteran or the veteran spouse can have and still qualify for the uh, for the program the other thing that the regulations have done that is very important to understand is that the regulations now impose a penalty for transfers uh, under medicaid rules any gifts made most gifts made within the five-year period applying to Medicaid, prior to applying for Medicaid, right. can give rise to a Medicaid transfer penalty. For veterans' purposes, until October the 18th, there were no penalties for uh, transfer. Right. Now, if you give away money that, that causes you to come down to within $123,600, you're going to be subject to a penalty equal to um, the uh, the maximum amount of 13,166 a year. So whatever that works out to divide that into your pen, into your gift and that's the penalty. That's going to be a problem for folks. Uh, yeah. Because because there are under the social, under the Medicaid rules uh, there is an exception for someone who for example has given away assets within 5 years in good faith. Suppose you are a grandparent who is supporting a grandchild and you're perfectly healthy, you have no reason to think you're going to need to apply for Medicaid, you're supporting a grandchild, you've supported a grandchild with an education payment, and uh, four years later you have a stroke and have to go into a nursing home. Well, rather than penalizing you because of that gift, which was not for any thought about applying for Medicaid, was for some other reason, right. the Medicaid rules have have uh, have a relief provision. Under this pension program, if you have made transfers because you're the victim of some sort of a fraudulent veteran's annuity practice, uh, you can get some relief. And if you have made uh, contributions to a trust for a disabled child under some circumstances, you can be entitled to relief, but for no other reason. So our, in my example, the grandparent that uh, supported a grandchild, and right. let's make it three years before they applied, had a stroke and then had to apply, would be out of luck for a while because they'd be penalized because of that gift. I see that as a real problem for, uh, uh, 
for this pension program, and it's something that people need to be aware of. Yeah. Pension is so important in estate planning for veterans. Sometimes it's the difference between being able to live comfortably and not, because medical expenses take up so much of the uh, senior's income. Right. Now, how veterans, how would they know about all these changes? Well, that's why many of us are trying to talk to the public and to uh, alert them to what's going on. There should be articles in the paper. There are people who are advising veterans. Um, hopefully, if if someone was dealing with an attorney uh, a year ago and doing planning and they, their plans are not in place, hopefully the attorney that's helping them will advise them that the rules have changed. Right, right. Regulations were uh, announced in late September. And most of the lawyers that I know sent out uh, letters to their existing clients saying, you better get your plan in place before October the 18th. Okay. Now, how does someone find an attorney that would really know, you know, I guess, would would they need help with the applications? and, and... Well, there are there's a lot of resources that are available. Okay. I think in most counties there are, uh, there's a, at least in Pennsylvania, there, there are veteran services offices. Okay. In most counties, where there's someone who can help with applications, okay. uh, in uh, in other places, uh, uh, there are national veterans organizations who will uh, assist in these applications. For applying for a pension, though, I would be talking to. Uh, um, I mean, it's a pretty specialized area, yeah. and that, with the rules changing, it's uh, it, it, you know there are there are nuances that need to be uh, taken into account. For example. In calculating your assets, uh, your your home is is exempt, uh, but it's your home in two acres. And if you happen to live on ten acres, yeah, then it may be that the other eight acres are not exempt resources, and those will count against your one hundred twenty three thousand dollars. <laughs> and there are and then there are exceptions to that rule if they can't be if it can't be uh, um, it can't be set aside and sold separately, then maybe maybe that won't affect you. But you see. And all of a sudden, it's gotten very complicated. Yeah. We need attorneys to help with this. I mean, and you were saying there's just so many exceptions and so many rules. You need an attorney to sift through all this. Well, the National Elder Law Foundation maintains a uh, directory of attorneys who are certified elder law attorneys. Okay. So that uh, if you if you go to the website, and it's nelf.org, uh, there are there is a directory where you can find lawyers who are certified elder law attorneys, and in their credentials they'll talk about the fact that they are uh, they're um, accredited veterans attorneys or not. Most that I know are accredited veterans attorneys because it's a as I said it's an important uh, tool in your toolbox. There's an 800 number as well. There is an 800 number. Uh, um, I don't have that committed to memory. That's okay. <laughs> we'll have that on the website. <laughs> there is an 800 number that you could call, and our executive director would be happy to help people find it. Uh, the other thing is understand that the uh, the veterans' rules do not permit uh, the, the attorney to charge for the, ap- the, the application itself. They can charge for estate planning. They can charge if there's a denial. Uh, they can charge for a number of other reasons. Okay. But they can't charge for the application itself. I don't have the 800 number, but I've just looked up the the main number, which is 520-881-1076. Okay, that's perfect. And we'll have that number on our website, so that's fine. Great. So it's, um, I, uh, 
I want to emphasize that this is it's not the end of the world that the rules have changed because with with careful planning uh, we can we can help people become qualified it may not be quite as easy it may not be quite as quick the qualification but we can help folks become qualified knowledgeable lawyers can help provide assistance to, so that folks will qualify as soon as they possibly can and that all ties are decided in their favor what brought about all these uh, changes? You know, they haven't. It hasn't been changed since what the Civil War. So, <laughs> well, they, it's interesting. The uh, there have been discussions about changing the rules uh, for years, five okay. or six or seven years, and regulations were um, were first put out. They're not the current ones that were adopted, but the regulations were first put out a number of years ago, uh, 2015, and there were hundreds of comments made to those rules about how they were wrong or how they were right, how they were fair, how they were unfair, how they were ambiguous, and they're still ambiguous. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, and the the VA took all those things into consideration, and then, uh, and then nothing happened. And we kept thinking, well, they're going to adopt it now, and well, they're going to adopt it now. And, the, and most federal agencies have a list of... Uh, actions that they are going to studying and propose to take within the net, within the near future within the next year and this wasn't even on the VA list <laughs> uh, so it just was sort of announced right. on uh, 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 the middle of September on September the 18th saying here's the new rules are going to go into effect on October the 18th oh my gosh it's um, sort of typical <laughs> these it's, are how well it's also it's frustrating for folks who have sure. uh, worked who worked as hard as they can and as long as they can, and who've given to their of themselves to their country, That's you know, right. the typical service person was young and in the prime of his or her life when he was when when they went in the service. Right. And, and now that they're old and need older or disabled and need help, they're all of a sudden the rules are changing. Yeah, we really need to support our vets, and we definitely need certified elder attorney to help in the process for veterans and their families. Thank you so much, Amos Goodall, for being here. I hope you got something out of this episode. I know I did. I love getting your emails and questions, so please keep sending them. You can reach me at Diane at ParentsAreHardToRaise.org or just click the green button on our homepage. Parents Are Hard to Raise is a CounterThink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Our New York producer is Joshua Green. Our broadcast engineer is Well Gambino. And from our London studios, the melodic voice of our announcer, Miss Dolly D. And please, if you love the show, give it a five-star rating. That will help other people find our show. And please help someone else find the show as well. Someone you know that would really benefit from our show. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, may you forget everything you don't want to remember. And remember everything you don't want to forget. See you again next week.